The scripture reading for today is Acts chapter 10, verse 23 to 48. So please turn to your Bibles with me. Again, the reading is Acts 10, 23 to 48. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And we were we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on third, the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one anointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, HTC family and all who are listening. Pastor Arthur Jackson here with yet another privilege of being able to open up God's word and uh, for all of us to hear it, to receive it, to learn from it and grow by it. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Be glorified even as it's preached. Amen. What we know as African American History Month was inaugurated by Carter G. Woodson known as the father of black history. This was in February, 1926. 
it was it began as Negro History Week, and it's expanded to African American History Month. Woodson earned a graduate degree at the University of Chicago. From there, he went on to become the second African American who graduated with a PhD from Harvard University. Black History Month was conceived to commemorate the achievements of black Americans whose contributions uh, were not known or recognized or celebrated. Such efforts have been used, that is African American History Month has been used to raise the awareness to the accomplishments of black people in our country and to motivate and to elevate esteem among the race. This kind of commemoration is good and honorable and indeed fitting. Huh? 22 years after the inauguration of uh, Negro History Week, I was born, 1948. I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and the racial lines in my neighborhood were pretty well defined. Huh? Just up the street from our home was the 10th Street Cafe. Blacks were not allowed to eat at 10th Street Cafe. And it was barely a good rock's throw from my home. Anyway, I ended up working there as a dishwasher, work, earning the uh, hefty sum of $5 a week. Mary Scott also worked there. Mary was the cook that prepared the food that was put on the tables for white patrons to eat. But if an African-American wanted something to eat from the 10th Street Cafe, they had to go to the back door and pick up their food there. The experience that we had in Kansas City, Kansas, could be repeated again and again across our nation in the 50s and 60s and even beyond that. I begin with this vignette in view of what we see in our text today. By the time we arrive at Acts chapter 10, the church was growing and it was beginning to look different than the church that was birthed in Acts chapter two, a church that was comprised of Jews who had come to the Christian faith. While there were some who understood social and religious protocols, those that were in place, God here in Acts chapter 10 was leading Peter to buck the system. He was leading him to break the rules, if you will, of social order so he could step, so he could be in step with God's agenda to, glow, to go global with the gospel. That has always been God's agenda that the gospel would go, the good news about Christ, 
uh, would go to the end of the world. Huh? Those on God's team must share God's perspective about people. Huh? Those who are on God's team, those who are in God's family, must share God's perspective about people. Today's text helps us to see that the gospel feast is for all without discrimination. Huh? That the wide-armed welcome of God awaits all who come to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Three headers will help us to walk through this particular text today. This is what we're going to see. We're going to see conversion. There's conversion in this text. Huh? We're going to see correction. There's some correction that takes place in the text. But then, last of all, we're going to see there are elements of celebration. Huh? Conversion, correction, and celebration. Did you notice First in our text that some people, in fact, are converted. Huh? Who is it that whose lives are, are turned around? In other words, there's repentance, there is turning, and they are turning to God in faith, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Huh? Now, Cornelius, of course, he was a good man. He was a praying man, but at this point, he was not a gospel man. Huh? Cornelius, his household, his friends, they come to faith in Jesus, to faith in God through Christ. Huh? According to verse 24, in anticipation of Peter's arrival, Cornelius had assembled his relatives and close friends. Huh? He had received this message from the angel and told him to send a Peter for Peter who would come with a message by which he would be saved. Again, he was God-fearing, he was a praying man, he was a giving man, and his deeds were remembered before God in heaven, huh? Uh, why did he send for Peter? Take a look. Chapter 11 Verses 13 and 14, Peter explains. He says, he, Cornelius, told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and listen to what he says. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved you and your household. Why sin for Peter? Because he had a message of salvation. Huh? A message of salvation and upon his arrival in chapter 10, beginning in verse 36, Peter preached the good news to a good man. It was a message about Jesus that included his earthly ministry in the land of Israel. 
his being empowered by God through his spirit to bring deliverance and, and help to those who were hurting. Huh? It speaks about his death and resurrection and his post-resurrection appearances. And again, I'm summarizing what we see there in verses 34 through 43. Again, Peter preaches the gospel to the householder Cornelius. This was the same message that Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost, speaking about Christ and his death and his resurrection, his ascension, and he had poured out his spirit. Huh? This was the same message proclaimed in Samaria. Huh? This was the same message that was proclaimed by Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch. Huh? This was apostolic preaching about God sending Christ into the world, Christ ministering in the world, Christ being crucified, Christ being raised, Christ ascended, Christ pouring out of his spirit. Huh? If you take a look at your headers, if you're looking at the ESV Bible, just before verse 34, it says, Gentiles hear the good news. Huh? It could well be added or edited to say, Gentiles hear the good news and believe because that is exactly what happens they hear the good news about Christ and they believe there was the presence of faith and and, and this really could be in between verses 43 and 44 again the message was proclaimed but then the message was believed and something happened <laughs> after the message was preached it was as if God took the stirring wheel from Peter's hands and notice in verse 44 while Peter was still saying this thing these things the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word Peter's preaching those in Cornelius' house believing in God, sending or pouring out the Spirit of God upon them. Look at verse 45. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the outside people, those who were deemed by the Jews as unclean were receiving this great gift from God. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Peter did what he could do and the Lord stepped in to do what only he could do. The Lord saw their hearts. The Lord heard their prayers. And the Lord rewarded Cornelius' obedience in that he had sent for Peter. He and others heard and received and believed the message. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. Even on the Gentiles, those who would have been considered 
those people are outsiders. And what they were, what the, the, the Jews who had accompanied uh, Peter, the Jewish Christians that accompanied Peter, this was familiar, huh? They had seen similar things before. They were hearing and them uh, and extol God as they, even as they were speaking in tongues and extolling and praise, praising God. What was going on? A spiritual baptism, a spiritual cleansing, a uniting to Christ was taking and it had taken place. Huh? What they were witnessing was the real deal. It was an experience that had been just like theirs was. Peter speaks of that in Acts 11 and verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And then verse 17, Acts 11, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Huh? Gospel proclaimed, gospel believed, the Spirit of God poured out on them. Huh? Same gift because same faith in Christ. <laughs> Look at verses 47 and 48, Acts 10. Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Huh? Just what had happened at Cornelius' house. The God of heaven had extended heaven's hospitality at Cornelius' house. God had given this wide-armed welcome to those who for some were not on the guest list. Huh? Guess who's coming to dinner? Huh? Surprise! Gentiles have come to the table. Gentiles have been invited to the gospel feast that includes the forgiveness of God in Christ, the baptism of God's spirit, the washing away of our sins, the washing that places us in the family of God. What here was conspicuously absent? No mandate for circumcision. No other ritual requirement. God had worked. They had turned to God and uh, as presented through Jesus Christ. Huh? God is made known through Christ. And guess what? They were in the family. Huh? Conversion at Cornelius' house. But that's not all that we see in the text. Did you notice that our text includes correction? Some people were converted, but also some were corrected. 
And Peter was first in line, was he not? As noted in last week's text, the process actually had begun earlier. John in his message spoke about the different barriers. The barriers included the barrier in Peter's own heart that needed to be overcome, his own prejudice. In verse 28, speakers, Peter spoke of the Lord that had shown, what the Lord had shown him in regard to his prejudice. Take a look. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. God was dealing with Peter. Notice also chapter 10 in verse 34, where Peter notes, where it's noted. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God has shown me and God shows no partiality. Peter, a man in process, and God was unveiling to him and showing to him things in his own heart. And in that process, God was using him to take the gospel to other people in recognition that God shows no partiality. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That we should show no partiality. God was at work correcting Peter about his prejudices. And if we're honest and allow him, he can help us to see beyond ours. He will help us to get beyond labeling and mislabeling others and building cases against those who are not like us. Huh? But Peter wasn't the only person corrected in our text. Peter's pals, as it were, gets corrected. Take a look at chapter 11 and verses 1 through 3. Now, the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, said, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Huh? They had not arrived and they were questioning Peter under the direction and guidance of God, they were questioning what he did. And there was a sense in which they called Peter on the carpet for what he had done. Huh? I mean, after all, Peter, aren't you one of us? And you did what? Well, Peter says, well, I, I, I need to share with you. So, of course, he did share with them. Huh? And then, though these people uh, who were Christian Jews but they held uh, their giving certain attention to Jewish ritual to include circumcision. And so they were sort of a bit confused 
as far as what all was included in getting into the family. It was not Christ plus. Again, and that kind of confusion would would, would, would go on. And we, we see that in Acts and we see that countered even in the epistles. But though initially critical, they changed their tune. And after hearing Peter's account, look at chapter 11, verse 18 of what they say. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, here it is, then to the Gentiles also. God has granted repentance that leads to life. There's room at the table for those who are not Jews. Huh? Their notions about Gentile acceptability to God was changed in view of what God had done. God took the initiative. God showed them more clearly what he was about through this incident. Huh? You and I must be aware of the influences that have shaped us and how sometimes that can even discolor our Christian lens through which we view life and, and, and people. Knowingly and unknowingly, we are products of our culture and subcultures. And if we're not careful, we'll be more influenced by social and cultural factors than by what is biblically correct. Unfortunately, there are known incidences where cultural influences have prevailed and there have been misreadings of scripture to justify even blacks as being in inferior. These dark-hearted interpretations are not of God, huh? What are the means the Lord uses to correct us today? Because correction still needs to happen. What does the Lord and, uh, use to change our perspectives? Uh, in what ways has he continued to open our eyes as we look back even over the last year and, 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 and the cultural moment that we find ourselves in and, and, and the things that have happened and some are coming to greater awarenesses of um, things have not always been right and are not right even today and, and some perspectives are being changed. Huh? What needs correcting my perspective about others? Those who are different. What lives have I believed, have we believed? What patterns have I developed in my thinking? And this applies to us all. There's a poem by uh, a man by the name of James Kennedy that perhaps can shed some light on our own prejudices. Six humans trapped in happenstance and bleak and bitter cold. Each one possesses a stick of wood 
or so the story is told. Their dying fire in need of logs, the first man held his back. For of the faces around the fire, he noticed one was black. The next man looking across the way saw one not of his church and couldn't bring himself to give the fire his stick of birch. The third one sat in tattered clothes. He gave his coat a hitch. Why should his log be used to warm the idle rich? The rich man just sat back and thought of the wealth he had in store and how to keep what he had earned from the lazy, shiftless poor. The black man's face bespoke revenge as the fire passed from his sight, for all he saw in his stick of wood was a chance to spite the whites. The last man of this forlorn group did not accept for gain. Giving only to those who gave was how he played the game. Their logs held tight in death's still hands was proof of human sin. They did not die from the cold without. They died from the cold within. Huh? What needs changing in my perspectives, my understanding? What needs re-examination, conversion, correction, and finally, celebration. Some people were converted. Some were corrected. But just one person was celebrated. Huh? God received the praise. He received the glory the wide-armed, welcoming God of heaven. He is the one that gets celebrated in this particular text. Those who were converted, those who were saved, they ended up, according to, I believe it is, verse 46, they were extolling God. Uh-huh. They recognize and in, in their being welcomed into the kingdom, in their speaking in a language that they did not know, they were praising and worshiping God. They were giving him the glory and the God who saves, the God who turns our lives around is worthy of our praise. Huh? He alone has done for us what we could not do. For, our sake, for ourselves, huh? those who were saved were celebrating God. But as you also notice that those who were corrected glorified God, we've looked at that. Huh? In verse 18, again, of chapter 11, when they heard these things, they felt silent. These are the, what felt silent? These are the ones who were corrected, huh? And they glorified God in their words. Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God was honored. God was recognized. It was God who had done it, huh? 
Who gets the glory? The God of hospitality, who was the real host in Cornelius' house. He set the table. He set the table. The gospel feast was the feast that was set. It was the main course, basically the only course through Jesus. Yet here again, Peter uses the keys. He had preached in Jerusalem, ministered in Samaria, saw the spirit fall uh, in Jerusalem and in Samaria. And now, uh, upon the Gentiles, God was at work amongst those even who did not have Jewish pedigree. And this could be not be denied. Guess who's coming to dinner? The Gentiles are here. Guess who's in the family? Huh? Guess who's at the table? Guess who's all enjoying fellowship together? Those people whose manners and customs are different from ours. Huh? Their diet is different. Their hairstyles are different. Huh? Their names are different. But they are at the table, huh? One of my favorite movies is Antoine Fisher. It's about an African-American young man in search for his family. He goes through a lot of things and, and towards the end of the movie, he begins to enter into the lives of those that he shares blood with first encounters his birth mother who hasn't seen him since she was born in prison. And it's very interesting because you, he goes to this very drab environment. His mother doesn't really welcome him. He goes to her and shares with him his life a bit. And she says something like, are you hungry? passes up the meal, doesn't eat there. The scene shifts to his father's side of the family. And then he goes in there, cousins, high five, I'm, I'm your cousin, I'm your auntie. And then the door opens and there's a table that is set. And there's all kinds of soul food on the table. And then there's an older lady there, matriarch of the family. And she says, welcome, huh? Welcome, welcome to the family. Welcome to the feast, huh? What a picture of welcome that is, huh? And here in our text while Peter had preached the gospel, it was God, the God of heaven, who had poured out his spirit on those who had heard and believed. It was God who had prepared the gospel feast at Cornelius' house. And there in that place, at that hour, which in Jewish circles would be perceived to be off limits, huh? God shows up and pours out his spirit on those who believe. He gives his best gift. Mm -hmm. nothing lacking. He doesn't 
go, th- th- this is the absolute best gift that he gives. And he gives it to those who are outside of Israel. Notice no hoops to jump through, no circumcision ceremony, no purging of the homes. It's a cleansing of the heart. There were no back doors to enter, no side doors to navigate. God had swung the front doors wide open to those who were by others considered to be unclean. But what God cleanses is in no way unclean. Hmm? In African-American church tradition, there's a song that says, come over here. The table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. Cornelius could have sung that song on that day. Come over here in my house. Come over here in my neighborhood. Come over here in my country. Come over here with my people. (laughs) The table is spread because God has spread it. And the feast of the Lord is going on. What's on the table? There's faith and forgiveness. There's heart change and love and peace. It's a feast. And it's for all, huh? Who gets accepted? Who are the recipients of heaven's hospitality? Anthony and Ahmad and Aaron, Bianca and Brandy, Veronica and Victoria, Michael and Muhammad, huh? Roberta and Nikki, Bubba and Brandon, huh? Natasha and Nikki, Mary and Maxine, Ian and Isaac, and whatever your name or your background, it's for you. God made a statement at Cornelius' house. The God of heaven, the God who opens heaven's hospitality. Heaven's hospitality was extended to those out side of Israel, then to the Gentiles. God has granted repentance that leads to life. John Stott has put it well with a rhetorical question. How can we not accept those who have been accepted by God? How can we not accept those who have been accepted by God. That needs to be reflected in our preaching, in our living, in our attitude. Those on God's team, those in God's family must share God's perspective about people. Those in God's family, those on God's team must share God's perspective about people. The gospel feast, brothers and sisters, is for all without discrimination. In Jerusalem, when Peter explained to them what had happened, 
And they landed on what we saw in verse 18. The church, those on that day, were saying, Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. God has acted. Let the church say amen. God bless you, HTC. We love you.